guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the SoCal Watch Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Miguel, and with me, my co-host, the beautiful, the talented, the guy that just hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube, Mr. P. Ross. How's it going? The beautiful. Oh, wow. Um, I am very beautiful, you know, and I'm not arrogantly saying that either. So what's up? What's up, man? Chilling, chilling. Same old, same old. Coming to y'all from the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> okay all right hey man uh another special guest so yeah. we've never had this person on the show and as a matter of fact he's never been on a podcast before so uh we're excited to have him podcast virgin be gentle to me guys be gentle <laughs> <laughs> so do your thing p ross introduce our next guest all right yo check this out this guy that we have today owns a, a, a very special watch company to the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast, okay? Yeah. You know what I mean? We have reviewed his watches, that and they great. are great. Yes. You know what I mean? And we want y'all to show this guy some love. We have Jason from Zanea Watches in the building. Wow. wow. What an intro. That's awesome, yeah. man. Uh, you guys always make me feel good, you know, both of you guys. And uh, uh, thank you for having me on. It's uh, a real pleasure. And as I mentioned, it's the, the first official uh, podcast or interview I'm doing on behalf of the brand. So very excited for the opportunity. And uh, thank you to both of you, not only for the time you spent with reviews, but uh, for making some time for myself and the Zanae brand today. So thank you. No doubt. Hey. I want to thank both of y'all for participating in my celebration video. Oh, that's thank right. Both of y'all. Yeah. Congrats. That's amazing. Thousand subscribers. That's a big milestone. It's I work with a lot of reviewers and uh, I know how much work all of them put in to build your base and grow and reaching that first four figure subscription level. I mean, it's a big milestone. So a huge yeah. congrats on that. It takes a ton of work to get there. So congrats to you, Ross. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, and I know for people outside of this niche, outside of the watches, it's not a big deal because, I mean, people hit a thousand subscribers within a week or probably less. But for what we do is very niche. So to get to a thousand subscribers is the equivalent, I would say, to hitting maybe 50,000 or, or in the thousands with another niche. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I mean, YouTube is pretty saturated. So getting to any level really is remarkable. Um but yeah, congratulations, P-Ross. That was awesome. I had a smile on my face the whole time I was watching your video. And I saw Jason in there. I'm like, oh, hey, Jason. <laughs> like, we're going to have him on pretty soon. So I'm excited. So, Jason, before we get into the the uh, official, you know, origin story and about the, you and about the brand, why don't we do a round of wrist checks? I, I'm curious to know what you have on your wrist. Absolutely. Well, I'm, uh, some folks, you know, we know... Um, I will get into it during the dialogue, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a collector of watches myself. I own about 60 different wristwatches, oh, so I enjoy nice. them. Uh, these days, I tend to wear the Zanea brand more than any other brand, yeah, of, of course. course. But, uh, that's what I'm sporting today, uh, but it's my, my favorite of the bunch here, the, uh, nice. the Zanea Time and Space Meteoric Dial. Um, I, I love this watch, just what it represents from a historical standpoint. Um, it's, you know, the meteorites over 450 billion years old. So, um, it's yeah. a very cool piece of space history and just history to wear on your wrist. So, uh, I'm loving this watch and I've been wearing it for about 30 days straight now. So, oh, uh, I'm wow. enjoying it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Very, that's Thank a nice you. watch. I, I love yeah. that out, out of all the, the, 
the dowels in your collection that's probably the one that's the most striking and, and like you said it, it's special people don't realize it we're so i guess jaded now by by the idea of meteorite dials right it's like ah another meteorite dial but it's like no it it literally is a meteorite like it's it's years and years and years old right. it's awesome like that's crazy the, the, the cool thing about meteorite dials is that you'll never get the same one so the one that's right like special you know what i mean so that too yeah it's a uh, I, I love them just because the material too is built in a world of extremes right when they were the meteorites were formed i, I remember somebody sent me an article about the rate because space is so empty or devoid of matter the meteorite itself cools down at like this infinitesimally small rate, like half a degree every year or something like that. So it's oh, this wow. hot thing that cools down super slow. And then it goes through space for however many, you know, millennia or eons or billions of years. And then in a period of about 45 seconds, it enters the atmosphere and heats up from almost absolute zero to like 3000 Fahrenheit. And then it wow. cools right off again. So it's like this, this material is built from extremes. And I think that's really, for me, that's very appealing. That's very cool. Yeah, never, never knew that, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's crazy. Space is such a, such a, a an interesting place, right? So that that that's super cool. P. Ross, what are you wearing? Q time X. Oh, okay, cool. Classic. The Coke. Nice. Coke belly. Coke. All Coke. right. So I'm uh, uh I'm excited to announce, and some people saw it on Instagram. So I finally got a chance to work with Spinnaker. I know they've been around for a while, and most YouTubers have had a Spinnaker on their on their channel, but I never had. I actually had been in touch with them for over a year, and because I'm a small channel, obviously they they see me as like, eh, you know, those guys is bugging. But we build the relationship over a year, and finally they're like, all right. We're going to send you a watch for review. So here it is. is the Fluce. I don't know if you guys could see it, but uh, it's uh, no, it's probably super. Anyway, it's it's the uh, Fluce. It looks like uh, 50 Fathoms. I have it on a cell cloud strap from Artham and it looks pretty cool. It looks awesome. Yeah. I, 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 like I could it. see the I could see the appeal. I'm not really sure if Spinnaker is considered a micro brand. I mean, they're, I know they sell a ton of watches, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask that later on, uh, Jason, if you know that the difference between a micro brand and an independent because we can define it we've had numerous people on the show nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> i think it's because everybody's definition differs a little bit i mean i can give you my perspective sure. on it but um you, know, you want to chat about that later you want to chat about it uh, let's be before we get into your actually you know what Let, let's get into the origin story and everything because we sure, were curious sure. to know who you are and about Zanea, and then we could kind of dig deeper into that so yeah for anybody that doesn't know your brand or hasn't seen our review videos of your of your watch why don't you um kind of let us know well, who are you sure, and <laughs> watches yeah i'll tell you a little bit about myself and the brand and uh for those folks watching or listening who haven't seen the reviews by both p ross and uh uh, Miguel, uh, SoCal watches, you know, definitely check them out. They're both great channels and, uh, reviews were a lot of fun and they both had very nice things to say. And, uh, truly and genuinely when I watched them for the first time, made me feel amazing as a person and human being. So, uh, I know oh. it sounds pretty cheesy, but it really wow. did have an effect on me. So That's thank you cool. guys uh, for that. Uh, the brand itself, I've been a watch collector enthusiast for probably about 15 years is when I started getting into it uh, a little more. Uh, okay. I've always liked nice watches. Um, my first watch, like a lot of people, was a tag that I bought when I was about 25. And, uh, I remember it was a Formula One, which back then I think it cost me about 325 bucks or something like that. And uh, okay. uh, I love that watch. It was a lot of fun. And 
have been kind of upgraded and got some higher end pieces over time. And about 15 years ago, I really started getting to watches and just appreciating them. Not only new ones, but vintage pieces. And my collection is a real, it's very eclectic. I've got, you know, 15, $20 thrift store finds all the way up to much nicer pieces that I bought at the 80s. So I've uh, always been a watch enthusiast. Um, the company itself really got going about a year ago. I was working on it a bit before then. And I st stumbled across somebody who was launching their own brand on YouTube. And I just, that kind of piqued my interest. I'm a very curious person by nature. So uh, I love exploring and learning new things. And I saw that and I started thinking, wow, that'd be amazing actually to create a watch or timepiece that other people could enjoy and be a part of their life. And that initiated my search, I guess, into looking what would be involved with it. Um, initially in the early days, I was looking at, you know, starting up like a lot of people, you start out, you do a, an Asian manufactured watch and I wanted to do with the Swiss movement. And when I started going through that process and getting the first prototypes and chatting with people, the prototypes weren't uh, bad when I got them, but the level of quality of what I wanted to put out there to the market space, it just wasn't quite there. And I had had some initial discussions with uh, Swiss factories um, in the past and uh, pandemic was starting to rage, especially in uh, China. So there was a lot of different variables going on. I said, you know, maybe I should look into launching the brand as a Swiss brand to start. And uh, so that kind of shifted my focus and started dialoguing with them. And I had new prototypes done and, and all of those elements. And really the, the, the premise behind the brand is being a watch collector enthusiast for a long time. I really had an end vision of what I wanted to create, what I wanted to bring to the market space. And so I really started with the end and kind of worked backwards and build all the foundations and the, and the pieces. And that's really what the name represents, you know, starting with the end, which is Z, and of mm -hmm. course, going back to the beginning, which is A, I filled in the blanks and uh, that's how Zenea came about. So uh, been an exciting, exciting journey so far. Uh, it's a ton of work though. And it's a very competitive yeah. landscape, as you guys know, but it's been yeah. absolutely amazing. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for the backstory. <laughs> no worries. So what was it that got you into watches? You know, it's uh, watches are such a, um, I think the emotional connection that people have with timepieces, particularly men, um, is very substantial. I remember being a kid growing up and, you know, my dad and, you know, being like six or seven years old and, and looking at his watch and just being fascinated. You know, this was in the 70s, so he had like a gold Seiko and with the kind of rectangular dial. Nice. I remember just looking at it and, and thinking there was something that was amazing. I've always been an appreciator, I would say, of like good design, nice things. You know, it doesn't define me, but I enjoy them. So I've always been, I would say, an, uh, have an affinity towards nice watches. I've always had that. It wasn't until about 15 years ago that I started really getting into it. And when you start digging deeper, this, the, the history of horology and in not only wristwatches, but timepieces, how everything kind of fed into one another, it's really quite fascinating. And there's so much variability and vintage pieces, new pieces, how everything all fits together. And the watch community itself as well. Uh, my experience with them generally has been so positive. I mean, it's just, as you mentioned, Miguel earlier, it's a bit of a niche area, but yeah. Uh, there's a real bond or real connection that happens between watch enthusiasts all over the world. And, you know, I've got people that I'm connected with and they're in Europe, they're in America, they're in Canada. I've never met them, but I feel like I know them because we bond and we chat and we connect about watches, including customers who bought the Sinead timepiece. So 
I love that element of it. That that's really what drives me: connecting with other people and that human experience of of the commonality and really building something together. Uh, absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. So you 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 mentioned you got uh, about fifteen pieces in your collection. So everything ranging from inexpensive to are you a Rolex fan or you don't like Rolex? I'm a Rolex fan. I've only got one. I uh, got a no date Submariner and I bought that direct from the the AD. And uh, nice. you know it was funny. Even even when I bought it, it wasn't that long ago. It was a number of years ago, and uh, it came in. And even then, there was lots of wait lists and. Uh, I think I came in and I was, I can't remember where I was. I was out and I've been thinking about it for a while. And uh, I remember there was a, a AD locally in my neighborhood. I just kind of came in, I was wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and I didn't look very fancy. So <laughs> I don't know. They kind of passed me off. I don't, I don't think they thought I was going to buy anything. And I just, I'd have been thinking about it probably for about six months. And when I decided I was going to go and I knew there was a wait list. So I said, I'm going to go down and put a deposit and, and get the watch. So I came in and, uh, they kind of shuffled me off to this more junior sales guy. And anyways, he made a sale that day. So it was kind of funny. And then I had to wait about four months and I got my piece. And they're they're a great watch. Um, they're definitely the most well-known brand in the world, even for non-watch enthusiasts. And, you know, there's lots of other watches which are incredible, I think, that you can get for the same price point. Uh, I like them, though. But I, like I say, I've only got one. I've, I've got a really eclectic mixture in my collection. Um, probably the two most common brands. I've got a bunch of uh, vintage Omegas as well as one mm. contemporary one. And I've uh, got a, a number of Timexes. And I've got some Seikos and lots of other unknown brands and then lots of other mid-tier type ones as well. So it's it's a really eclectic mix, but I enjoy them all for different reasons. That's super Ooh. cool. Well, one of the things I, I, I mentioned during the review of your watch was that you have my respect for starting a company in the middle of a pandemic. So how did that even go about? So, cause obviously you had been thinking about the watch before this whole thing. Um, but then the thing happened, what made you say, I'm just going to go through, you know, it was a little unnerving because at the time when I really started to get serious about the company and launched it, it was just when the pandemic was starting to really get its teeth into things both overseas and then it was starting to develop across North America and Europe and other locations. And there's a lot of unknowns with it. And I think when you're venturing into the unknown, it's always a little unnerving for people. Yeah. Um, my goal with the brand was always to create a legacy brand. I didn't want to make one line of watches, try and make some money and then you know bail out, do something else. I really wanted to create a brand that had longevity and connected with people. And, you know, I wanted to continue on for decades and decades after I'm gone. Um, so my vision was always long-term in perspective. And even though it was a bit of a tumultuous time to launch or really start getting serious about the business, I said, you know, these challenges, they're going to pass. So I just had to adapt my strategy a little bit in terms of my manufacturing timelines, you know, how I was going to launch um, my plan for the brand was always to start off with an e-commerce platform, which still tended to thrive even during the pandemic. Uh, but there's lots of different challenges associated with the pandemic. So I would say it caused me to uh, adjust a little bit the short term, how I approach things. But the long term goal, uh, pandemic or not, that didn't change. So I just always strive and I tend to be a long term thinker. So. I just kept moving and anything that moved me further towards the, the long term goal of creating that legacy brand and outstanding product. That's, that's how I approached it. So, and uh, yeah. Cool. So okay. how did you come up with the different dial variations? You know, that it was, it's a function of, you know, when you're creating a brand, 
you really have to, it's, it's always finding this balance. And I like, when I chat with lots of different folks in the watch community, I got a lot of advice and a lot of people have different perspectives on how you should approach, you know, launching yeah. a brand. And probably, uh, you know, one of them, uh, I just heard it a few days ago and I thought it summed it up really well in terms as an entrepreneur, I think you need to be a bit stubborn with your vision. I knew what I wanted to create long-term and you need to listen and understand the wants and the needs of the marketplace. And that's where you need to be flexible. But I think you need to be stubborn with your approach in terms of what yeah. you want to create but the flexibility comes in how you create that and how you engage people to make sure, you know, they're feeling it and they're, they're aligning with your vision, if it makes sense. Yeah. And so I think it's just, you know, um, moving forward, you just got to build something that you're going to be proud of and you can get behind. And I was very much like that. I mean, I, I could have launched the initial prototypes and probably would have sold some watches, but for me, it didn't align with who I was as a person, right? My core values, uh, not only as a human, but as a, a watch enthusiast, I know what I want to put out there in the market space. And you know, I'm very proud of this in A-Line and, and how it's come forward. Uh, in terms of the colors and the watch color variations, um, I wanted to approach it in, you know, there's always kind of the classic colors that people respond to, right? Uh, yeah. Like mine as well. I mean, I've got lots of black dial watches and I've got a bunch of white dial watches, like a lot of collectors. And uh, so I wanted to do a few classic color iterations and, you know, splash it up with a few differences. The meteorite dial is one that's a little different, of course. And uh, the yellow dial, uh, which is probably, you don't see it as many yellow dial watches. I quite like them. I own about two other yellow dials. And yellow is one of those colors I find for watch enthusiasts. People either really gravitate towards it or, you know, it's not for them. Yeah. So it's finding that, that balance point that people are going to like. And, you know, everybody's, everybody's different. But I, for me the way I design watches, it has certainly a vintage element to it, which you may probably see in the designs, but I want to splash it up and try and keep it a bit contemporary as well. So it's just trying to find that balance point. So uh, I would have loved to create a few more colorways, but uh, everything adds to the cost when you do the yeah. first run. So I wound up selling on the five different designs. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And the meteorite dial is the most popular in terms of sales. And I'm uh, okay. probably followed by the black and uh, white is also very close to that with the snowcap classic white. So. I love that snowcap. Yeah, that's a nice one. Yeah, that's a nice, especially with the red secondhand, it really pops. And I get a lot of comments on that. So I remember when I was first designing the watches, I was anyone who was interested in watches, I would show them the renderings and mm -hmm. they would comment on it. And the white people would always comment on the secondhand, how they liked it, it kind of popped. And, yeah. It's kind of the tip of the hat to, you know, Canadian Heritage being a Canadian company as well, because it's the same Pantone colors, the Canadian flag. So uh, people tend to people tend to like that. So and it's a fun watch. It's a fun watch. Yeah. And Ooh. for everybody listening and watching, something that I was super impressed with, too, is the box. Man. Ooh. Oh, my knocked God. Knocked it out of the park the with that box. I've, I oh, felt like I had a luxury watch because I, I, you know, a lot of micro brands come through the channel and I, I know what the boxes look like pretty much. But with yours, I was just completely blown away. I was like, what am I reviewing? Because this thing feels like a luxury watch. Like, that was crazy. Man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I wanted to put a little more into the packaging than you typically find with a lot of watches. To me, the uh, one of the, the tenets of the organization is I really want to create a rich and robust experience for people with the watch. Uh, you know, at the end of that, that's people wearing the watch day to day and appreciating the finishing quality of it. But the experience, I mean, it starts with ordering online, how quickly you get it. Um, even the boxing, when you unbox it, 
Um, I can't tell you, I've gotten a number of different watches over the years. And some of them are pretty substantial in, in price. And although the packaging often kind of goes to the back of the closet, you don't see it. Oh, yeah. That first experience of opening the box is pretty exciting. And if you get something that's like falling apart, it just doesn't uh, do it. So I got the box and this is kind of the, the piece. And the medallion is what everyone goes crazy about, right? Mm, actually, yeah. uh, mm, uh, the, the box. It's actually metal. <laughs> Um, you know, people say, oh, it's a plastic medallion. No, it's actually a metal medallion that I had done. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. And most people are very, very happy with the box. So it's kind of cool. And uh, it doesn't doesn't add too much to the cost of the watch. People sometimes think you're spending crazy money, but it's it actually adds probably for my cost, probably about, you know, an extra $10 to the cost of the watch. So you're not losing anything from the watch. Uh, it just creates more to the experience from my perspective. So. Very nice. Ooh. Congratulations. Yeah, That's nice. Thank you. I'm glad you guys like it. So, yep. oh, yeah. So, the Eula Diver is the first in the Zenea collection. Why did you choose to go with a diver style watch? Yeah. You know, I when I look at my own collection, probably about, I'd say about a third of the watches are dive style watches. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always liked them. You know, when I told you about the Formula One that I had, my second nice watch was a Tide Curium, also a dive style watch. They're just, you know, dive style, I think is one of the most versatile styles in terms of being able to use it in a lot of sure. places. You can dress it up, you know, it might be a bit thick for a suit cuff, but you can wear it with a suit if you want. You can wear it out for the evening, wear it on the weekend. You wear it at work. It's, it's a very versatile watch, and I liked it. So that was one of my primary drivers behind it. Um, dive watches, though, especially in North America, is very crowded market space. So it's tough to get airtime sometimes to get people to notice you out of the plethora of watches out there. Uh, so it's challenging in that regards. But uh, I like the dive style watch, and I just I have a personal affinity to it. So I want to go with something that I felt connected to as well. So uh, that was the main reason for the driver behind that. Cool. So you mentioned vintage watches as an inspiration for your watch. Uh, can you kind of break it down a little bit more and maybe let us know what watches, maybe what models, what really drew inspiration, what era um, drew inspiration for what in your watch? Uh, I think it's it's hard to to narrow it down to one specific thing. So I'll speak in, in fairly broad terms. A lot of the vintage watches like Collect, I would say, probably range from about the late 50s to about the early 70s. Um, when I was first doing the design, I was I'm very drawn, I think it's because I was a young kid too, to like the 70s design, you know, the cushion cases and the yeah. really funky colors and all these like big dials. And uh, when I started looking into it, though, I wasn't sure whether that would have a broad enough appeal because that's even more of a niche area. So, well, maybe I'll do that a little down the roads, but really thing I like about a lot of classic designs, especially from the 50s and 60s, is you've got these very clean, very functional dials. I'm not a giant fan of like overly complicated dial faces or, or dial designs. So I try and keep the watch very functional. So I would say that's a huge draw for me. Um, I brought a couple of my vintage pieces. I got lots, but I just grabbed a couple just to kind of show you, um, oh. again, things that I thought were kind of cool. So. One is a bit more well-known. Other one is another brand probably no one's ever heard of. But um, okay. this is one of my vintage pieces. I don't know if you can see it. So it's Omega nice. Seamaster. But it's from yeah. 1958. It's is, that a a, uh, is it a pipe pen? Oh, sorry? Oh, is it a pipe pen? Is it a Constellation? Or? No, it's a Seamaster. Seamaster. Okay. Oh, but it. it's a waffle dial, so it's got a really nice texture to it. 
And the uh, it's got a it's like a mirror at the back here, mm, but that's cool. Um, it's got a micro rotor, which is kind of an interesting um, you know uh, movement as well, which I quite like. So uh, it's a bit small for my taste in terms of diameter, but I really enjoy it. And you know, again, just kind of that nice, clean, classic style, a bit of texture to it. Right. I think makes it quite interesting as well. Uh, another one that I have, it's similar, but it's different. This is a brand called Tugaras. And Tugaras was actually a pretty popular brand in Southeast Asia. You don't find them too much in North America. Very little uh, of them on the web, but again, just kind of that nice, clean, classic design. And I quite like it. So, you know, anything that's nice. functional and clean in this design, that's something that I find personally appealing. And, uh, you know, and then maybe you play it up a bit and put some more contemporary colors in there. Uh, you know, the modern technology obviously makes the watch much better as well, particularly if you're going to bring it into water and these other places that, uh, you know, would I would never, even though it's waterproof, I would never take this watch into the oh, water. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, no, of course yeah, not. Yeah, it's just the seals are probably gone and everything else over the years. So, uh, but I, I love it. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun having these watches. And uh, um, I'm hoping to create over time with the Zinnia brand, you know, they'll become classics as well, you know. I'd love for 40 years down the road for people saying, oh, yeah, I own one of the Zene and Yula Divers. That, that was one of their first lines that came out with. Yeah, you know, we have cool. a library of watches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that's, that's sure definitely cool. There. Pretty sure you'll get there for sure. Yeah, no, just keep it up and, and you'll definitely get there. And obviously, you, you're you getting some good traction, getting a lot of love from the community. So uh, that's uh pretty cool um and one of the things that i wanted to kind of touch on is so in the micro brand space there's a trend for uh kickstarter right or indiegogo or crowdfunding basically in, in a nutshell Absolutely. because it's expensive building your own brand and people probably don't realize <laughs> that uh getting a prototype is very expensive doing any change orders expensive getting 3d renderings and engineering fees and everything is very very expensive so one of the things that you did we actually funded the watch yourself as opposed to crowdfunding now why did you do that was that a good move and you know i guess let's just start there <laughs> yeah it's uh early on um you know, I had a number of people as well suggest, oh, you should go to Kickstarter, one of these other venues, and, and build from there. Um, Kickstarter, you know, I think if you were a micro brand wanting to start up, you know, if it was five, six years ago, it was quite easy to get funding through Kickstarter. And, you know, you could really get some legs and build some foundation. You can still certainly do that. It's a very, very crowded place now. There's so many watches and watches that I think are quite nice and they never make their funding goals, you know. It's incredibly challenging. Um, so I made the decision. I mean, I, I've been fortunate. I, I had a, I've had a pretty good career in healthcare sales management. And, you know, I've done all right for myself. Um, it's still a bit of a stretch, but I, I really wanted to take my dream and turn it into reality. And I was willing to put my own funds behind it. So the first line of watches, the company, everything is completely self-funded at this point. So uh, that's allowed me the freedom to, to move forward and keep focused on that long-term vision, which has been great. Uh, it's been challenging financially though, too, because like oh, yeah. I mentioned, there's there's a lot of expenses that come up. And then when you do your minimum order quantity as well, and uh, yeah. movements, and you know, I chose to put an ETA movement in the uh, watch, which those are not inexpensive and everything adds up, everything adds up. So I'm happy that I self-funded it, certainly. Um, being a watch guy, I was very, very focused on, you know, the product development and the end product. You know, if uh, I was to to 
give any guidance to anybody else looking to do that, whether it be through Kickstarter or elsewhere as well. Uh, I did some work on the pre-marketing or, you know, building interest in the brand. Uh, in retrospect, I probably would do more of that versus just the product development. And, but that's, you know, that's part of the learning. I'm still working with it now. Uh, we've got some exciting things happening with the brand. I've actually got a couple of uh, not financial partners, but partners I'm working with from the business development side. So they're working on developing some different channels and some exciting things happening. We've got ongoing discussions with a bunch of other uh, groups that will like the watch and want to work with it. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the background as well that I hope is going to help bring the Zanea brand to more of the yeah. forefront in the coming, uh, you know, six to 18 months. Congratulations. That's, that's a pretty big milestone. Um, now, I don't know if you're comfortable telling this or not, but I don't know if you're, you're married. And if you are, how does your significant other feel about this whole crazy thing? I, I kind of do uh, my own uh, thing. Everybody else kind of stays out of it. I've got a 10-year-old daughter. Okay. Uh, her name is Chelsea. And uh, I always laugh. I kind of say she's my marketing director because uh, <laughs> during, the, during the design, I would often ask her, I'd say, well, what do you think of this, like, visually? And she's actually got a pretty good eye for things. And I, you know, even the naming of the brand, we went through a few different things, and she was giving me some feedback. And I'd, I'd tell her the story and chat with her. Uh, she gave me feedback. So uh, she's probably got the most involvement from other family members. But uh, wow. in an unofficial capacity, it's unpaid labor. So I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for child labor. Or not, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll cut this out. We'll cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm just teasing. So now she's been, she's been amazing though. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited because there's, I, I, I love when there's possibility in front of you. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember being, you know, in my younger days, you know, being 22, 23, 25, um, you, you're still trying to establish yourself, but I remember that feeling and that excitement because there's, it seems like there's almost limitless possibility in front of you. And that, that doesn't people as they mature, they tend, I think people sometimes kind of give up on that or they feel like, Oh, I don't have that limitless possibility in front of you, but that's not actually true. I feel like there's limitless possibility in front of me right now and what I can do with the brand and how it can grow. And uh, that's an amazing feeling to be feeling that so strongly again. So I'm living that every day and uh, you know, you just gotta stay, there's lots of ups and downs uh, running a business and being an yeah. entrepreneur. But uh, you just got to be resilient. And, you know, when you get hit a few times, it's okay. You get back up, you dust yourself off, and uh, uh, off you go. You just keep keep moving towards your end goal. And uh, yes, it's been amazing. So did you have a job before you decided to do the well, Zanea watch? You were a medical sales, right? You were saying that. I, I was. I was a, uh, my last role was I was a national sales manager for a pharmaceutical company. I was in the Canadian uh, landscape, so I had 21 reps across the country. Uh, Canada, geographically, is a huge country, so I was constantly on the road flying. And, like, I was living out of hotels and on a flight, like, three, four, five times a week. And oh, um, wow. it was – I enjoyed it, but it was, like, grueling and it was brutal. I wasn't seeing my daughter enough. And I just – it was not – it, it was not something that I was sustainable from my perspective. So that was one of the reasons why I started to look at doing something like the Zanea watch line, because I wanted something that was more sustainable. I could, you know, there'd be some travel, but I would be around home a little more. So um, yeah. I would say the genesis of the brand started while I was still working. I was a contract role came to an end in December, 2019 and uh, COVID was just starting to, you know, get some traction at that point And, uh, I made that decision. It didn't take me much to make that decision. I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go 
full-time and I'm going to do it. So this is what I am doing full-time right now. So I do miss the regular paycheck, but that's okay. It's uh, I'm building something for myself and, and others in the watch community and just in general. I love it. I love it. And wow. if you're not listening, people, this is a very inspiring story. Okay. Get Thank you so much. That's crazy to go from like a, a, a decent paying job and a steady job uh, to building your own thing and let alone doing it in the middle of a pandemic and not using uh, Kickstarter and actually just funding the whole watch mm -hmm. company yourself. I, I don't think, Jason, I don't think people realize how much money goes into that. They they probably think it's uh, 10, 15 grand. And, and I know, I know that that's not it. I know it's a lot more than that. So to be kind of sinking that kind of money in, it's, it's scary. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a little scary. And, you know, you've got to be, uh, it's interesting when people talk about entrepreneurs and, you know, I, I follow a lot of folks on LinkedIn and the internet and some people like them and other people don't, but it's, yeah. you know, they've got, they share their, their perspectives, right. On entrepreneurs and people talk about entrepreneurs and oh yeah, entrepreneurs are risk takers. Right. Yeah. And maybe to, certain types of approaches they are a risk taker but entrepreneurs will really look at something and they have that faith or belief in themselves and they'll take calculated risks right yeah and there's a big reward on the end of it hopefully if things work out uh, a lot of time it doesn't so you gotta you gotta have faith in your abilities and what you want to do um i felt like the design was solid the product that i was putting out was solid uh, the feedback I'm getting is there. So, but it's a matter of, it's a crowded market space. So you got to yeah. engage the right people to help you out too. And that was probably the biggest lesson for me as I started to get into it. Initially, I was like, you know, I had these visions. Oh yeah, I'll be the, the watch king, you know, operating out of my uh, basement or my garage, <laughs> building the brand. And it, although there's a certain element of truth to that, I mean, it doesn't really work like that. You You need good people in your corner to help you out. Yeah. We've got some great partners and mentors who give me great guidance. Um, I've partnered with a really good media agency to help me. Uh, you probably saw that we redid our website. We relaunched that. Uh, that's, you know, cleaning everything up to make the messaging really crisp and got hopefully it. reaching the right people. Because at the end of the day, you need exposure. And, you know, it's when, you, when I talk about Zanea, people in the watch community, some people say, oh, I've heard of that brand or I've seen it. There's a lot of people still that say, oh, I've never heard of this brand before, yeah, even folks in Canada. And, you know, it's uh, when, when people have never heard of something, there's an inherent kind of distrust sometimes. People are like, oh, well, yeah. what's, this, what's this watch brand? You know, I don't know who these yeah. guys are. If I haven't heard of them. Maybe they're not that good or, you know. Uh, so you got to build connection and over time. And that takes a lot of effort and uh, sometimes money to do that too. But if you're creative and you work with others, you can get the word out there. So. Uh, I'm still in that brand building process and that that's going to continue probably for at least the next year, I would say. So, um, you know, and all of a sudden it will, my vision is that it will reach a certain point and it'll start to take on a little bit of life of its own. The name will get out there in a lot broader perspective. So, uh, but that's with, you know, months and months of work beforehand to make that happen. So. Absolutely. So Jason, what is next for the Zanea watch company? What you got? Well, it's, uh, I, I'm, you got a, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan of lots of different styles of watches. Um, the next one that's currently in development right now is actually uh, I would call it a dress watch, although okay. the the watch itself is probably a little bit more beefy than your typical dress watch. 
Uh, really looking at a nice clean design again to be consistent with the Zenea aesthetic in terms of design. Uh, but I'm going to be doing a sub dial at the six o'clock position for the second nice. hand. So Very nice. I'm pretty excited about that and uh, working that with is... some, some different no. colorways. And uh, it's, it's going to be pretty fun, I think. And it's going to be a real nice piece too. So um, the Zenea Eula Diver, of course, I did a art case back with this particular watch. I'm actually going to be doing an exhibition case back. So it'll be a little mm. more, a little more fancy at the back. I mean, I, initially too, from a movement standpoint, I was looking at a manual wine because of course, mm. with the exhibition case back, the manual wines just look amazing because uh, right. there's much complexity to them. Uh, but I think I've pretty much landed up. I'm, I'm going to be doing automatic movement just because I think people understand that a little more generally and uh, right. it's a little, little easier, but we'll see. Maybe I'll do a, a, a small run of, uh, separate manual wine movements is for the real diehard uh, watch collectors, you know, and, and the folks that love that beauty. So. So what size is it going to be? 38, 40? You know, what? I'm probably thinking about 39 or 40 right now. Um, I'd love to hear both of your opinions though, because it's, you know, the trend in the watch world tends to be getting a little smaller right now. Uh, you know, the vintage pieces I have, a lot of them are 34, 35, right. 36. For me personally, Although I love the vintage pieces, I find that a bit small. So I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards 39, but wanted to get uh, the perspective of both of you actually as well, because it's I'm asking um, people right now. There's still opportunity to shift the size of the case. Oh, okay. For well, for yeah. me, 34 millimeters is definitely small. I love vintage pieces, but I agree they're not for everybody. They don't fit everybody's yeah. wrist. But I think uh, the one watch you can look at, and, and it's been super successful, and as a matter of fact develop a, a bit of a cult following is a Seiko Sarb series, the 033, 035. I yeah. believe that's a, oh man, I know I reviewed this. I own the watch 38 millimeters, I believe. Okay. Um, so yeah, 30, less than 40 for sure, because it, it just, it just, the wearability could be, could be endless, right? For a lot of people and 20 millimeter lug width, you need to do that, of course, you know, because there's Absolutely, so much possibilities right. out there. Um, that's that's kind of my take on it. Just anything below forty, I think you should be okay. What about you, P? I say thirty-eight because thirty-eight leave you open. You know, even women nowadays who rock watches can rock that. You know what I mean? So I would say thirty-eight. For sure. Yeah, there's definitely lots to consider, and uh, I can't tell you how many requests I've gotten for women's line of watches. Uh, both in the watch community, just people who came across my watches and, and they reach out to me and they say, I love your watches, but they're a bit big. Do you have a women's line? Or are you coming out with a women's line soon? So, um, you know, in terms of next level development after the launch of the dress watch, it's quite possible. I may do a, a ladies line probably with the dress watch as well, uh, but in a slightly smaller size, probably like 36 or 37, something like mm. that. So, well, uh, we'll see. I mean, everybody's taste is different, right? So, yeah, um, absolutely. Well, with that said, I think this, this kind of leads us into good uh, dialogue about this, right? And I want to get you guys' opinion on this. So, uh, Kara from Hodinki recently put out a, 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 a article right about women and and they shouldn't be labeled as like women and men it should just be diversity which i get but at the same time it's just not possible right so there's some sizes that are for men but I, I see where she's coming from right where it's like don't put labels on the things uh let the women or men decide what they want to wear right now i 
can't I'm I'm gonna make an assumption here. If you do develop a women's line, you're not gonna ice it out, right? You're not gonna make it all pinky and pretty and diamondy and all that. You're right, just gonna make right. the same watch mm -hmm. just in a smaller version, I'm assuming, right? It, to a certain degree, um it's well documented that you know different colorways are more popular with male audiences and other colorways are more popular with female audiences. And even in my men's line, uh, you can see that. When I, I've had a lot of customers who have been uh, women buying the watch for a spouse. And, you know, whereas the guys will tend to buy the black dial face, the women almost always, for my colorful watches dials. at least, they'll, yeah, the colorful dial or they'll buy the white dial, which is popular, mm -hmm. right? Like silver and white dials are very popular. So there'll probably be some variation to that. Um, you know, I, I think we're in an age though where people can really do what they want with their life right they don't need of to course. one way or the other so i would probably approach the the line in more of a unisex fashion right but in the end of the day there are preferences within groups so i would probably try and cater to that i don't think i'm gonna like ice anything out or don't go too crazy you know and uh, i don't want my watches to look like a you know no disrespect to michael kors but like a michael kors watch which is all yeah. very blingy and overly flash and uh, i want it to be a really quality timepiece but i'll do some fun colors as well and yeah. you know guy guys may like it guys may not but they can they'll have options right the key is i think to have lots of options and that's one of the wonderful things about timepieces is there's so many variations that you can tap into everybody can find something that they love for themselves and that resonates and aligns for themselves personally. So if I can do that, I'll be super, super happy. Um, I don't know as much, obviously, with marketing to a, a female audience, though. Uh, I think that how you approach the marketing may change a little bit. So I'll have to make sure I've got that down pretty tight and working with my media partners to make sure the messaging is getting out there so people can see it they get access to the watch. So Well, here's, here's I don't an... Know. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, here's an idea. So one thing that kind of, I, I think kind of rubs people the wrong way is they'll go to a website, write a little, see a video. And it's like, men, women, everything is categorized, right? So yeah. as opposed to maybe saying sizes, right? So larger sizes, smaller sizes, that way you're not really defining uh, a sex, right? It's more in the size department and, and within your smaller line, not just have a bunch of females there posing, you know, in their pretty dresses or whatever, just have females doing regular stuff. Right. Um, I don't know, whatever, but males at the same time wearing the same watch because I, so Aries gold is a company that I've been working with right They're uh, out of uh, Singapore. They've been around for a while, but they approached me again. Cause I guess they liked the reviews that I did for their watches and they're like, Hey, we really like what you did. Can we send you some more for review? So I was like, all right, let me, let me take a look at your watches. Right. Cause I know they're kind of loud and I want something that's a little subtle. Right. So I found one from their women's line, believe it or not, that's a 36 millimeters. Uh, Oh, I guess we lost Jason. Um, Oh, there? he's still there. He's still there. He's still there. No, no, you guys froze up for a second. Sorry. Oh, that. no. Yeah. Oh, no. But I'm anyway. And get right back in, okay? I apologize. So give me yeah, a that's, yeah, that's fine. So let me kind of, uh, I guess, finish up the, the story of the of what I was going to say. But uh, basically, I went to their, to their women's line, their women's section on their website, and I found a watch that's a 36 millimeters. Yeah. And t but everything you see on there is just like women, women, women. Everything says women. All the pictures are women. And I'm like, 
why i like that watch i actually think it would wear very nice so i told send me that one you know so i'm i'm looking at the review that i'm going to do as not a women's perspective uh, I, i'm going to play on the subject of a unisex or, or or something you know so so that's my idea if i ever were to develop a brand i wouldn't categorize my watches as male or female i'll categorize it as sizes because yeah. we got to understand that it could be very technical and women don't that are not in the watch industry they just want a watch it makes sense for them to go in, into a website and just say women boom easy what's what's there for me right but yeah. i think in the same sense it could be easy for women to navigate through a website if they see bigger size smaller size like oh okay smaller size and once they click on it then they see other females wearing the watch but you're not putting them in a category you know what i mean that's just my my take uh, i don't know if the bigger companies are ever going to do that you know but i think it will be a good approach i was thinking man um most women that are watch enthusiasts don't go for the smaller sizes like just say just like the average woman yeah that uh wears a watch just to wear it. they may wear the smaller sizes because you know they are women yeah. But I don't think most women that watch enthusiasts care for smaller size watches like that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look at the girls from 10 and 2, right? I mean, right. Uh, they like uh, bigger sports watches. Right. Uh, well, I can tell you from my wife's perspective. So she's not a watch enthusiast, but she definitely knows about watches because I talk about them all the time. But she is on a smaller size wrist, like five something you know five inches and something tiny tiny wrist and some of the divers like my um my spb 143 my seiko she feels it's a little tooly into in my opinion that wears perfect on my wrist it's 40 millimeters but for her it looks a little funny on her wrist 40 millimeters does wear a little big as opposed to like a 36 a seiko a five that i have this 36 mm -hmm. it's just spot on and just it looks just right on her it looks like what a 40 would look on me you know what i mean so i i don't know jason any I, thoughts I, on I, I think it's a great idea um like if you want you can use the word unisex but there's lots of ways you can frame it but at the end of the day it's about finding something that works well for that person and size yeah. of the watch style that is part of it i mean my my wrist is not huge it's about a you know six and three quarter which is kind of smallish yeah. uh but it's you know some of the watches I have in my collection, I bought because I love them, but they're just, they're, they fit a little too big or they're a little too thick or the lug to lug is too long. So, and those ones just don't get as much wrist time because they're not that comfortable to wear. So you got to find yeah. the right size that, and design that's going to fit well with you and that you're going to enjoy. And, you know, that can be men or women too. There are a lot of guys who are, have smaller wrists or they're just yeah. smaller stature. So uh, yeah. Got to find something that fits well. So I, I like the idea. I think it's worthwhile to explore that. Yeah, because think about this. So there's a good, you gave a perfect example. Let's use a guy. He's on the smaller, a smaller size wrist and he goes to a website and it almost makes, it makes him feel embarrassed to say, I'm going to go to the women's section to kind of explore what they have because now his masculinity is in question, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm shopping a women's section. Like it doesn't yeah. feel too right. But if you don't approach it that way and you just approach it as a matter of size, then it's okay. Then everybody feels equal, right? That, and in today's, today's day and age, man, I'm, I'm telling you, it's like, uh, I mean, our, our, our 
politics here in the U.S. are going a little extreme, right? With um, I, I heard my brother-in-law was saying something, and I completely disagree with this, by the way, with what I'm about to tell you. They want to remove the the boys and the girls section from the toy section. Uh, they they, yeah. they don't want to categorize it as that. And I think that's wrong because like everybody has their own sexual preference. That's fine. You know, we, we're not going to discriminate, uh, discriminate against anybody. But it's just they're taking it to an extreme where I heard Mr. Potato Head is not going to be called Mr. Potato Head anymore. It's just going to be called Potato Head. And it's like, what? Like, okay, I, I think I think we're taking this a little too far. You know what I mean? There has to be a limit. And I'm not trying to get into sexuality or politics or anything, but it's it's a fine line where you kind of go, okay, where do we where do we draw the line? You know? And and for me as far as watches, it's like, yeah, I I agree with the whole women and men, like maybe it shouldn't be there. Maybe it should just be a matter of sizes. However, there is some watches out there that do have uh pink and they do have diamonds and clearly they're more marketed towards women but maybe some men will like it too i don't know <laughs> so, i've met i've met guys that have watches like that too and they they love them right and uh yeah, yeah. you know i i'm a firm believer do, do what you enjoy and what resonates with you right. in life right? um it, to have that confidence in your own character and self-assuredness to doesn't matter what other people say you just pursue the things that you want to pursue uh it, i'm i'm supportive of that it's hard to do sometimes though too i remember i like a silly ridiculous story i remember i was in university and uh, I, I bought this pair of like uh sperry topsiders i think like a shoe those are but cool. they're the, yep. they're this bright green color which was like kind of way out there in terms of color right yeah. and i said i'm gonna wear these shoes i like them they're cool and i would wear these shoes around i wore them for about a week and I had so many people, like complete strangers, walking down the road and maybe like throwing shade my way saying, oh, nice shoes, you know, give me a hard time. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I love these green shoes. And I was like, it was, there was like literal abuse coming from people I didn't know about these <laughs> horrible green shoes and they didn't like them. And it was, it was hard. And after about a week, I just said, man, I don't need to do, I don't, the green shoes are not that important to me. So I kind of put them in the closet and. I think I bleached them and dyed them white or something down the road. So sometimes it's hard to be a, uh, you know, I don't want to say an innovator, but do something different. Uh, but, you know, I hats off to people that can do it and have the confidence. And if somebody yeah, 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 you know, sure. gives them a hard time, they're like, well, screw you. I'm, I'm doing what I want, what I love, right? And, uh, you know, but there's lots of stuff like that. And, you know, your earlier point about a, a female, male watch, et cetera. I remember when I was a kid, I was really small, actually. And my stepdad bought me a, a Casio digital watch for, for Christmas. Wow. And I remember I got it, but this watch was so small, right? The face. And they said, oh, I got you a small size because, you know, it, you have small wrist. It'll look better. So anyways, I wore this watch. And I remember I was horrified because I was up at, like, you know, one of the malls later on. And I saw the watch. And it was in the ladies' watch section. It was a ladies' watch that he had bought me, not a men's watch. I was like, oh, no, I'm wearing a girl's watch. And yeah, but who cares? I mean, if it was next. You know what I mean? Like, I can't put on no women's watch that small. You know what I mean? I need something at least big, something that look decent on my wrist. Yeah, yeah, you know for I mean? sure. So, you know, no, but I, if it fit, it fit. I, I no. think I think because we're we're looking at this from a, a watch perspective to us, like we're just looking at the millimeters, right? And we we could decipher that kind of stuff. But I, I'm talking more about the regular people that uh, maybe they do get turned off because 
let's face it, you know, that this whole horological perspective or, 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 or media or whatever empire, whatever you want to call it, is controlled mainly by male. It's dominated by, by, by males, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to any website, any watch website, go take a look and look at the inventory for male. It's huge. But you go to the female section and it's tiny, right? So I, I guarantee that a lot of the male watches would fit the female um, mm-hmm. wrist, but they don't know that because they see it categorized under male. They just get completely turned off. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, to anybody, you, you brought up a good point, right? About your, about your shoes, right? You took them off because you felt self-conscious and people were making fun of you. And <laughs> same, same could be said for watches. You know, it's like buy what you like and stop caring about what other people think and if people make fun of you uh like hublo right that it gets a ton of hate right you own a hublo you better hide because you you look ridiculous and people in the watch family just don't like you for whatever reason right uh and everybody has their own mentality but who cares if you like a hublo and you want to spend your money on a hublo go for it if you like an invicta go for it you may get not the most respect you know for different reasons but it's more you know, Invicta does their own thing, but but yeah, just wear what you like and and, and just kind of go for it, you know. So it's it's enjoying what resonates with you. And I remember when I first started my Instagram account, there was a, a individual who I followed, and he had nothing but Invictas, right? And Invicta yeah. gets a lot of hate on their websites, but sure. I remember I sent him a message, and he he had this huge collection. It was just all these like fun, over the top watches, right? He, he didn't care. He just did it because he loved it, right? And I was I sent him a message. I said, you know. I love your collection. It's so eclectic. You're having so much fun. Thank you for sharing it. And orology is not just about it having this watch or that watch. A lot of people love to compare, you know, um, what they have on their wrist to others, right? And yeah. It's not competition. It's about enjoying it. And I, I, me personally, I don't care whether you've got, you know, a Timex and a Victor, you've got an AP or Richard Mille, whatever, right? There's so many brands out there and so much variation. But if you're enjoying it, then, then screw the rest. Like just enjoy it and and yeah. love love the hobby, you know. And there's there's enough people out there, I think, in the hobby that are really open to uh, different things. And you know, I I haven't had a chance to go to a red bar yet. I've been invited, but with COVID and everything's kind of been shut down. But uh, you know, I've heard lots of stories about people coming to the red bars and they've got there's guys with you know half a million dollars of watches in a wash box beside them, showing them off. And there's a guy right beside them, and they've got you know a box full of Seiko, so that's what they like. It doesn't matter. It's not like a contest who's better, who's not. It's about that love of horology and timepiece and just enjoying yourself. And I, I respect anybody. Is that the group that don't want Invicta. Yeah, they don't like Invicta, yeah, by the way, like Jason. <laughs> they really don't. They they I, go I, to their website. <laughs> it says that. I under I understand where they're coming from. I do. But in the end of the day, uh, you know, you you do what you love. Do what you love, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know. Uh, I tell the story about the green shoes and I, I haven't told many people that story. I guess it'll be kind of famous now, but uh, <laughs> I remember my, I remember my girlfriend at the time and she wasn't a fan of the green shoes. So she was happy that I was getting grief that I stopped wearing them, but I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, you know, I don't understand where this disdain comes from. Like, you know, the ire of strangers <laughs> giving me all these green shoes. And I was just, well, it was, it was an interesting lesson for me. And I'm like, okay, I don't have enough confidence to say, you know, screw everybody else. I'm wearing my green shoes. But uh, it was just, it was surprised. I was surprised. What did well, you do I'll, with the green shoes? He he uh, put them in bleach. 
<laughs> I put it right? in bleach eventually. I didn't do it right away. They were like this kind of, I don't know, Irish shamrock green. They were pretty bright. Not quite neon green, but I was just, I was surprised at the amount of hate I got. It's such a silly thing to a pair of shoes, right? But yeah. Anyways, yeah. I well, became a bit more to that. I'll give you a quick example. So uh, uh, a while back ago, um, I've always wanted to own a jean jacket, right? Yeah. So I, I just got this, I don't know, a few months ago. And I, I always wanted a jean jacket. So I bought it. I, I, I kind of mentioned it to my wife. I'm like, oh, hey, I want a jean jacket. And she looked at me kind of weird. But anyway, I bought it and I <laughs> loved it, right? I'm like, I don't know, something about it that I like it. I, I like the yeah. way it looks. She absolutely hates it. Every time I wear it, she goes, that just doesn't look like you. It looks like you're a wannabe. I'm like, a wannabe what? It's like, I don't know, like a rapper, like somebody from the 80s. Like, it just doesn't go with you. But guess what? I wear it anyways. You know, I, I wear it and I'm like, you know what? I like it. I just, I just, I like it. I don't know why. Also, same thing for my watches. There's some watches in my collection that she just doesn't like. Like all my vintage yep. stuff. She's like, it looks like a grandpa's watch. Well, I'm an attractive grandpa then. What's up? You know, I don't really care. Like, it's fine, you know. And another thing I I, I wanted to kind of highlight or, or, or bring up, and um, I was having a conversation with Mr. David Schwartz, and I believe he reviewed your watch as well. He he's did, a, yeah. A YouTuber. David's an awesome guy. Great guy. Great guy. Um, he's our friend, and he's a good member of the watch family. And, you know, he's he's saving up for his first luxury watch. And that's his goal for this year. I don't know what he's, he's leaning towards Tudor or something. But one of the things that we, we talked about was it's interesting how you don't get respect from some people until you own a real watch from like a real company. And we have seen it and, and, and you do get yeah. discriminated. I mean, uh, here we are talking about, you know, where, what you like, and it doesn't matter the price and what have you. And I agree with that. We all agree on that. But there's a lot of people out there that don't. Now, screw them. I I, I really don't care. But it's it, it does get to you, right? As a as a somebody in the in the watch community, a personality, if you, if you will, somebody in in the public eye, like like us with YouTube channels and podcasts and whatnot, it does yeah. kind of get to you, right? That you're like, oh man, I, I guess we don't own a Rolex and we we don't have a Tudor and we don't have these expensive watches. So people may not take us as serious because we don't own the pieces and we just talk about them. So we we don't physically own them. So I I see where they're coming from, where it's kind of like, how can you criticize something or talk about something when you don't physically own it yourself? But I see it differently, right? Because I've handled these watches and I know what they feel like. And, you know, a spec is a spec and metal is metal and a movement is the same as another movement. Not the same, obviously different finishing and different whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just a watch, you know? So I I just think people need to stop judging other people. And if, if people don't have the means to buy an expensive watch or they do have the means, but they choose not to buy the expensive watch who cares you know yeah, it's 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 up to the individual and you know ju- judgment is a human society is full of it unfortunately in terms oh, of yeah. lots of judgment and self-judgment on ourselves too you know people like even your percent. your comment people judge they put judgment they say well should i not be talking about this because i don't own this or i don't have that and uh, in the end of the day you just gotta have that connection to yourself and and you know be okay with that um, the one of the branding messages with the Zenea watch line, and I really believe this too, is it's about appreciate every moment, right? Yeah. For me, 
wearing a nice watch even before I started Zanea. It wasn't about wearing a nice watch and showing off like, oh, look at this. Look at my flex or what I got on my wrist, right? Right. Uh, and when I was early 20s, yeah, that was kind of part of it. But as you mature, you realize that that stuff doesn't matter anymore. You can enjoy something nice. I still do. But it's not about flexing for somebody. It's about doing something that connects you. And for me, wearing a nice watch, when you feel the weight of it on your wrist, it's a reminder to appreciate what you have and those things that really matter. And those things that really matter are being around people that you love and love you and, you know, good connection with friends, wonderful experiencing experiences, enjoying your life and just living a fulfilling life. And I don't want to get too deep in the discussion, but it's, you know, that's what it's about. And for me, a nice timepiece on my wrist reminds me of the importance of, of time and, and what we do with it and how we choose to experience and who we share it with. And, you know, to me, that's what, watch collecting is about and appreciating every moment. I mean, it's not just a marketing line. It's something that I strive to live and, and do that every day because there's incredible experiences and we can always learn something from it. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I want to do as a brand. And if I can help be a small part of that by creating a wonderful watch and having people share it and be a part of their lives, to me, that's incredible. Absolutely. No, you, you hit a really good point, man. And and to be honest with you, it's, it's funny, right? So people outside of the watch community, they look at watches as fashion accessories. And that's all it is, right? And when yeah. you tell them the the price and, and kind of what these things uh, are in the in, in the world, uh, the Omegas, the Rolex, the APs or whatever, <laughs> they just don't get it. They go, what? Yeah. Why would you spend that much money? You just want to show off. That's You just want to show off. And it's like, no, yeah. I really... For people that are, yeah, for a lot of people, yes, you know, but for a lot of people that are really into watches and into, uh, there's just so much, so much information and it's so much deeper that it goes beyond a flex, right? It's not Absolutely. even about the brand anymore, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. And you, and you see a lot of people really into watches and I mean, they, they love it. And I, I, I've had, you know, good fortune of meeting some people who in their life have been amazingly successful. Like, you know, they do really well financially. And they're wearing some watches. And when you when you chat with them and you see it, like there was a, I went to see an um, optometrist to get my reading glasses. And I remember he was wearing a, a Cartier tank, right? And I recognized the watch. I mean, it's a nice watch. And so I mentioned it to him. He started talking, took it off. And, you know, I was handling it. And we were chatting about watches. And he told me his journey. He wears the Cartier tank more than anything. And he has like four or five Rolexes and a couple of other high-end brands. And he says, yeah, I was, you know, initially when I first started my practice and I was making money, I got my Rolex because I wanted to, you know, oh, I've got a Rolex, right? Like, it's right. a good watch, but he goes, he's given away like half of them to like his sons and friends and whatnot. <laughs> he says, the tank is what I like, right? It's still a very nice watch. Uh, but he yeah. just he appreciates, appreciates it for the watch and what it means to him, right? For him, it's not some flex. He's enjoying it because he, he loves that watch and he enjoys that watch. And, um, you know, it's, there's lots of people that have that perspective, right? And it's it's amazing. I love connecting with people and talking to them about their watches. And I remember there was a, a guy when I was working as a sales manager, and we were sitting in a doctor's office and this older gentleman came in and he had a, a Seiko, like an original Seiko Pogue on his wrist. Ooh, nice. And I was like, look, that's a cool watch, right? I love that watch. And I was like, oh, is that a Seiko Pogue? And he, like his face lit up. He's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And he took it off and told me how he saved up for it and bought it when he was like a young guy. And mm been wearing it ever since and he's brought to watchmakers and had the crystal you know redone and and keeping it looking sharp and he loved it right and that was the only yeah. watch he owned but i was like 
he didn't even know they're very collectible anymore. He goes, I just love this watch. I love the colors. I love everything about it. I said, yeah, those are very collectible. Man. Yeah. Lots of people chase after them. And he goes, well, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, it's true. And he goes, I still love it though. I love it because I love it. Right. Yeah. And that, that's what it should be about. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's go back to a question that we first, how we started this podcast. Sure. In your opinion, what's an independent and what's a micro brand? It's, I'll, I'll qualify it again. So it's a little, it's a little tricky. I mean, I think when you look at a, I believe when you look at somebody classes as a micro brand, I would usually classify it as a, a startup watch company. They've been in business for probably less than a couple of years. Uh, it's not that only though. It's usually about volumes and what you produce. A lot of micro brands, you know, they've got one or two lines or maybe a few lines, and but then they kind of transition into that what you would call an independent brand and independent is even more ambiguous i think because you can have independent brands but what does independent mean is it family owned is it smaller volume is it not affiliated with a big group like you don't fall under the swatch group or something like that um there's lots of ways to do it i i generally though would consider an independent brand probably has some more resources behind it than a micro brand so an independent brand may have yeah. some pretty serious investors they've got access to some much larger um you know marketing dollars and collaborations that really help to spread uh the word out about who they are and whereas a micro brand they tend to be a bit more fledgling and they're kind of you know going day to day and not, not trying yeah. to survive because there's a lot of very successful micro brands but uh they're they're smaller you know they're not quite to the level yet they don't have the type of financial float that some of these independent brands might have that's that's how i would view it um okay. again people might agree they might disagree with me um it's you know i'd love to be i probably consider zanea at this point obviously a micro brand um i'd love to be an independent brand though later that's a lot more successful and um you know more people than not right now you say zanea they're like oh i haven't heard of that company before I want to shift that over the next two years. I want people when I say Zanaya to say, "Oh, I know that. I've seen that watch, or I, I, I recognize this." And that takes a lot of time and effort to get to that uh, yeah, level. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right, guys, we got about eight minutes left. Uh, let's talk about other things. So, Jason, sure. talk about whatever you want. Recommend whatever you like. It, it's your platform. Go for it. <laughs> I'll I'll chat about it then. I mean, uh, don't put too much pressure on me. I want you guys to chat with me too, but. You yeah, know, I, I love I love what I'm doing right now, launching this brand, connecting with people across the world. Uh, it's so exciting. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the hours can be a bit crazy, though, too, because I'm connecting with different time zones. And even you folks are all like, you know, three hours earlier than myself. Yeah. I'm talking with Switzerland, which is five or six hours ahead. And, uh, you know, for packaging and whatnot, I source it overseas as well. So they might be 12 or 13 hours time difference and constantly doing uh, conference calls when people are available. Right. So, yeah. I, so I regularly have conference calls at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m. I'm <laughs> doing it. So it's a, it's a crazy journey, but I love it. It's so much fun. And the watch community and just customers and clients in general has been absolutely amazing to deal with. So I'm loving the journey. So just want to share back with everybody. Thank everybody for their support. Uh, I'd love if folks hear this and they're interested in the watches or they want to see more. Um, you know, come check out our website. I'll, I'll share that at the end or Instagram. We're still growing. So, uh, but I love the fact that you folks have invited me to share and chat about the brand and just myself. And, you know, it's so much fun because that's, that's what makes the connection deeper with people. And that's something that I've always strived to create in my professional career. 
And it's, you know, when you can call somebody a friend or when you can say, yeah, I know them well, because we work together. Uh, I, I love that feeling. I love connecting yeah. with people. I always have. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, to be honest with you, Jason, that's one of the cool things about doing this podcast and, and us having YouTube channels as well, that we've been able to connect with a lot of cool people such as yourself, right? Brand owners and, and, and just yeah. different collectors. And, and it's cool being a part of this watch family. Honestly, at the end, it's not even about the watches. We've said it before. It's about the people, yep. you know, you, you build these connections, these friendships, you guys have commonality, right? With the watches, but that's kind of where it ends, right? Your passion for watches or whatever, but then you expand yeah. on life and on different ideas and, and how to live your life and how to enjoy it to the fullest. So thank you so much for, uh, allowing us the opportunity to kind of look into your world and, and come on the podcast. And we really did enjoy the watch. Uh, well built. Anybody watching mm -hmm. or listening, great watch. I love the diverse extension, how you have the little uh, buttons there. That's super yeah. cool. Packaging is incredible. Bezel was incredible. on point. Great movement, great finishing. So thank you. P. Ross, other things. What's up? Uh, what did I do this week? I didn't really do nothing. Uh, watch Coming to America too with Eddie Murphy last oh, night. You nice. like that? That's it popping was, up on my Netflix. I'm, I'm thinking of watching. It. it looks funny. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I haven't watched the original one, and I need to watch it. Well, I was you, small. Well, I would suggest watch the original first. Yeah, a lot of in the second one that ties in with the first one. Got it. Did you know, P. Ross, that? The big house, I haven't watched it, but the, the big house they used in the second one is the actual home of Rick Ross. Nah, I know that. 235 acre home. Wow. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. The guy doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Other things for me, I watched this gruesome uh, movie called Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, okay. LaBeouf, whatever. Yeah. And it's basically, it's on Hulu, I think now, but it's about kind of like the Mexican cartel and how it ties in into different things and, and whatever. And then, I mean, it's just a movie and it's gruesome, but it's crazy. Like anybody that knows about the Mexican cartel or, or doesn't know about the Mexican cartel, it could be, those guys are pretty heartless. I mean, they'll just chop up people and do all kinds of weird things just because of drug deals gone wrong or just because they have a grudge against somebody and it, it's sad to see that in, in in humanity right that they lost their soul they lost that what makes them human really and and you tap into that and you're like how is that even possible like how do you get to that level where you're dehumanized and you don't feel bad or feel any remorse for killing children killing women and and not just killing them making them suffer in the process of dying and it's just it's just crazy to me to think that like man i can't believe my own people my own hispanic heritage my my people do this to each other like why you know i it's just it's just insane so if you want to watch it go ahead but it's a little gruesome, it happens everywhere. Sounds, sounds pretty sounds pretty intense uh i'm watching a show right now queen of the south it's uh again kind of oh. to drugs and cartels yeah uh, we're about you know, about halfway through that, it's actually been a really well executed show. And it's, it's fascinating to watch the development of the main character because she's slowly getting darker and darker in how she approaches mm -hmm. things. And uh, yeah. um, I'm sure it's going to get pretty intense by the end, if I'd have to guess. So Yeah, absolutely. But but the crazy thing is, so I, I know there's, there's you look at ISIS, right? And you look at uh, people from over there and you're like, man, but they do crazy things too. The difference is they do it in the name of religion right 
these people are doing it for drugs and for money. There, there's no God to them. Their God is money. Their God is greed. And it's, it's crazy. Is either one of them right for what they're doing? Absolutely not, you know. But it's crazy to see the different motives and, and, and the craziness, right? And not only that for us here in the U.S. I mean, you look at ISIS and it's like, oh, they're all the way over there on the other end of the world. But Mexico's here. Like for us, Mexico's like, I'm in California right here. And there's huge cartels like right over the border, you know, Tijuana and, and whatever over here. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's an interesting topic that uh, that I've had discussions with other people about. And it's just really, really sad at the end of the day. But anyway, Jason, where can people find you and Zinea Brand? Yeah, uh, we can be found on Instagram and Facebook. So at Zinea Watches. So please give us a follow and come uh, check out the watches. Absolutely. Uh, learn a little bit more about myself. I'm always reachable as well. So just, yes. you know, get me through there. I respond as quickly as I can. So I'm usually pretty good that way. Uh, the Zanea Watches website is zaneawatches.com. Uh, we recently redesigned it, so lots of great stuff on there. We're continuing to develop it, and we've got lots of great feedback. So, you know, give us a follow. Come check us out. Join our email list. There'll be lots of exciting stuff coming down the road. And, uh, yeah, uh, thank you uh, for the cool. time to spend with you folks today. And uh, uh, pleased that you were able to, you know, share a part of your weekend with me. I really appreciate it and uh, be able to thank chat you. about the brand. Uh, and just watches. I mean, I, I love it. I love connecting with people, and it's so much fun. So, thank you That's so true. much. Yes, Absolutely, P. Ross. Uh, this is P. Ross coming from the Starship Enterprise, and you can find me Ross Wristwatch Love everywhere: YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And be sure to check out the SoCal Watch Reviews podcast Facebook page. We there. SoCal Watch Reviews for me on YouTube and on Instagram, <laughs> and my Spanish channel just hit a thousand subscribers yesterday. Uh, awesome. So I'm so happy because awesome. I haven't I haven't posted there in a month. It's crazy. I, I've been neglecting <laughs> it, so I need to I need to pour some more videos. And there's just a lot of work to translate everything. But I'm happy to see that I'm getting the support from my community. Congratulations, bro! Thank you, man. I Congrats, appreciate man. that. Congrats. Thank you. You guys need to do. A congratulations video in Spanish. All right. I got you. I got you. Start I got studying. You. Start practicing. I'll use, uh, I'll use I'll use Google Translate and do like that robot voice or something. So congratulations, <laughs> me gay. Oh. I All right. All right, guys. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for watching, for listening, and stay humble, my friends.